All right, welcome back to the Watson and Alex show. This is episode 12. So two episodes ago, Alex and I talked about how to think about building your product team, whether you hire somebody externally, internally, transfers. And we touched on what a PM interview might look like, but we didn't get into depth. And as product managers, product leaders, we do a lot of interviews and you will too. And so even if you're not interviewing, you may, even if you're not interviewing people, you may be interviewing for a job. It's actually useful to kind of hear that, I think as well. So Alex and I wanted to chat about what does a good product manager interview look like? What goes into that? What should you be looking for on both sides of the equation as an interviewee and interviewer? And so let's jump into it. Alex, I'll give you the first question. When, as someone preparing to give a product interview, how do you think about creating interview playbook? Like, how are you looking for certain things? Are you looking for certain questions? Like, what goes into that process? So, so I would say my general approach to interviewing is one, does the company have a playbook of questions I can lean on first, right? I'm going to look and see if the HR provides it or the recruiting team provides it. I'd say the best performing recruiting teams provide you questions. They, they want you to hire the person and they, they're going to give you questions to ask that are going to help you decide that quickly so that they can move on to the next one and, and get the role filled, right? So it's a big waste of time to have them go deep in a process if they're ultimately not going to get it, right? So I think that's step one. And we had it at Zeus. I had it at Abercrombie. StockX had a couple here and there. It's pretty common. You have it in most places from the recruiters. And so you pick from those. I don't pick from those. Sometimes they're leadership-based and behavioral questions. And I'll grab a couple of that and see if I like any. But past that, I really want to figure out how they think and more specifically, how they solve problems. And Watson, you know, my, my favorite uh, interview question that I, that I have is I'll pick, I'll pick a random thing for the day. And I'll say, hey, how many pennies stacked on top of each other does it take to get to the top of the Eiffel Tower? And I'll say, you cannot get this wrong, right? The, you cannot cheat to get to the answer. You f what, find a way to get to the answer. Most people are successfully answering this in less than a minute. Go, right? Any questions? And, they, and then usually the person that goes to Google it gets the answer in under five seconds. That is a really effective way to solve a problem or answer a question that you don't know what the answer is to, right? I love that. So that gets me to problem solving mode. So I think those are the two buckets that I'd, I'd start with. How about you, Watson? I love that. I say I love that. I remember, I remember when you did that at Zeus. And it's so funny because I that weeded kind of out question, two people. Because... You remember? I weeded out two people. They couldn't, they, they didn't go to Google first. Well, I think some people just think about like they're trying to get so some people might get surprised with a question and think, oh my God, how is I going to solve this? And I think, but I think that's a really good degree because as a product manager, that happens all the time. And I say you can't cheat. There isn't a resource you can use that would cause you to cheat. You get to the answer the easiest way for you, right? I may, I make yeah. that point. It's, it's an important one, right? That's my, maybe that, that'll win my LinkedIn award, <laughs> but that is the best question I've ever used. And, and so you spice it up at the beginning with some of those more stock questions walk me through a resume. And then you're like, all right, let's see how they go. And then I'm telling you right now, if they don't answer it within like th that short time frame, sometimes it takes them a second to get to the, oh, I can just Google this realization. But if they don't get that, I pretty much flip the interview on them immediately and say, hey, one, ask me whatever you want to know about our place. And then let them ask whatever they want to know. And then I'm out. And then I'm out. Because if they can't answer that question, they are, are going to have harder questions than that in our job that if their first inkling isn't to use a really available free tool to answer the question, that 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 is, I, I can't have them on the team. I don't know, what do you think that's too harsh? Well, my only fear with that is that some people, 
like for example, if I hear that question, because I was trained to do interview product interviews back in the day that were like Google used to do that question all the time. And but you had to do the real math, were, right? Yeah. <laughs> you had to do the real math. And then they got rid of that question because yeah, I actually literally had a product interview question that was estimate the amount of storage Google needs for Google satellite images and for Google Earth. And I had to do that from paper. And they got rid of that type of question because they were, I guess, I don't know, maybe it was. It's a different mind. It's a different mind, right? What, and this is the thing you, you've talked about at Google, right? How they really wanted engineers and product managers to be techie and really, and engineers yeah, themselves. Exactly. And so that's math. And if you can't do good math, and I hope they gave you some basic information about like the size of a bit or whatever, like, or you gave you some kind of details to do the math for. But um, yeah, I had to ask. I had to ask. Oh, you had to I ask. They were looking to see what I, 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 I love that. Um, I love that. We ask. They didn't give me anything. Yeah. But I was like, I, I I even blanked out on. I got blanked out on what the like circumference of, like circumference equation was to get the surface area or something like that. Or I'm trying to get the surface area of the Earth and trying to get a sense of that. And I think I had to ask, and he told me, which is fine. I think they're looking for just like how are your what's your right. approach. But anyway, back to your question. I think because I was trained that way. And these interviews were in person, no computer, just like you and the whiteboard. I would maybe just like immediately react to that question from you in that, in that way. And so maybe you felt, you may filter out some false positives because the person's like trained in that. Like there's so, yeah, there's I, so. I can agree with that. But Watson, this goes to the next step. How many interviews does it take to hire? Well, you mean how many people? Yeah. Interviewed? How many people do you have to talk to get one good person? Ballpark it, it, over four years yeah. when you were at Zeus, right? Four or five years. When you had open PM roles and you were interviewing for them, how many people did you have to talk to, right? It must have peaked and valid because you kind of went through a tech boom bust, right? Yeah. And so uh, what do you think? What, what was it for you? You have more years on that I than probably, me. I think on average, I probably would phone. So I would phone screen first, but this is after doing like resume screening and even a recruiter screen. I would probably phone screen 20 candidates to get one higher. And then I probably... Interview, like we'd have like a full round of interviews for maybe five to 10. So like a five to 10 would squeeze down to one. That's a lot of people. And how, yeah. and how the phone calls are what? Five, 10 minutes at least? 15 to 15 20. 15 to 20, yeah. man. So. And the interviews were long. Well, we had like five hour interviews. But we, then because of the conversion was so low, we split into two rounds. So we could do like an additional screen first. So we wouldn't put the people through like a five hour interview. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about it takes... 15 plus hours of your time, maybe 10 hours of your time for one person. Dude, yeah, hiring is a massive time suck. Yeah. And I like to weed them out fast. <laughs> That's my <laughs> advocacy. Like weed them out fast and move on. I'm looking for a particular type of person. And so I think I, I love that question for getting people into that problem solving brain set. Now, when you interviewed me, Watson, you gave me a case study and I have a gripe with case studies. I do not like case study interviews. I've had bad experiences over and over again with them. Very often, it leads me to waste time. And so when I do a case interview now, they say, hey, we have a take-home case stuff. I said, I don't do take-home case interviews. I am happy to be given a problem in front of me right there and talk through it with someone and take that time during that interview to do that and it be done. However, the investment of time and effort to solve a case outside of work, I like to do a good job. And if this is going to be showing me work, like good work, I might spend five to 10 hours on it. Five hours, pretty easy to spend. I think spend five, maybe making some slides, how you present it, what's your story, 
What problem are you solving? What metrics do you want to use? Blah, blah, blah. So I, I agree about the take home stuff, but I believe we have you take home. You do not. So I was okay with it. I was okay with it, but I can't stand take home cases. How, how, what, do you think the case interview ever allowed you to weed someone out? Definitely. But the, I mean, they are more work and they are a little bit strange. So the way we did for you, for those listening, the way that we do case studies or I've gotten to get to case studies is we do a one page, one pager, like a one page prompt with like some supporting data. Or around the problem type problem the person's going to solve. So in your case, Alex, it was an operations product problem. So it was like an operations problem, not in the company that we are working in, but in like a related soul space. cycle. Um, I remember soul, soul cycle. cycle. That's right. Yeah. It was like a it was like a pre yeah, soul cycle was like an operations heavy company with some tech components. So and then we give you that paper and we say, okay, you can read it for five minutes, silence, you know, like no pressure. And then afterwards, like you say, you ready? We go back, cameras on, and we start talking about it. And you kind of use us as teammates so we can give you more information and stuff. Do you have, so do you have, do it you does take more three? effort. Do you have a top but... three things that you're looking for once they're done reading it? What are you looking for them to do? Like what's an ideal candidate doing once they're, they've read the case? I, yeah, I guess it does depend on the seniority. It does depend on the type of role, but I guess if I had to boil it down, you're looking for someone that isn't just jumping into the answer. You want someone who's going to clarify the question, who's going to, you know, poke, like kind of go ex expand first. So, kind of get context. Why are we asking this question? Like in what setting are we in? What is this, we're wearing a strategy, is this fit? Asking those like, trying to figure out where the walls are, get me to kind of guide them in the right direction. And then that's step one. Cause like oftentimes someone will just immediately start jumping into an answer and you're like, wait a second, I'll step back. Like why? Let's think about like, let's think about and, where this fits into and picture. And Watson, that, I think that's a key point to make. Like when you're doing a product interview, that's what you want to emulate, right? I think at whatever level you're interviewing, you want to emulate the fact that you can put the picture together where exactly. you can understand where this case fits within the scheme of the whole business. You can understand how important it is and you can determine even potentially the investment size you should make into try to solve it. Yeah. And so I, 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 I agree yeah. that, and that, that's, that's my other big piece of advice is, is look, when you get a case interview, you better ask them questions. You better ask clarifying questions immediately. Generally in interviews, if you do a clarifying question I or ask the person a clarifying question, like there's some psychological component that they like you a little more. At least For if sure. you're going to get the job, right? And they then they'll like you a little more. And you know, you as a candidate can also accelerate the process of get me out of here or give me the job. I 100% agree. And I, I agree for the reasons you just said, but also it just helps you buy time. I mean, you get a question, any kind of question, case study, it doesn't matter the question. You immediately feel pressure to answer it. If you start asking like one or two softball clarifying questions, you can, even if you know the answer to them, like you're sort of just giving yourself a little bit of space to in the background start thinking about how you're going to structure this answer. If you don't do that at all, you're immediately on the spot to answer the questions. I think it's a good thing to do just to give yourself space. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. doesn't spend too much time. Okay, so that's step one, looking, looking for that context. And then number two I'm looking for in the case study is, are you a structured thinker? So are you able to, because the questions we're asking, there's an answer, but in all product problems, there's like a step approach to get there. And in a case study question, you can't get the right answer. You know, all the data. So what we're looking for is, okay, is this person going to think about who their users are, what their problems are, uh, what are the business challenges? What are the immediate needs? How fast do we have to roll this out? Are there operational complexities to rolling it out? What, and when you do launch an experiment, can, can we pick an idea out of many? 
can you think about the rollout plan? How are you going to measure the experiment? How are you going to measure success? What happens if it doesn't go wrong? What stakeholders are you going to bring in? So you're kind of looking for that, that almost as if they're writing a PRD. You want to hear that thought process. Again, if the person is just jumping around randomly, I tend to want to bring them back out. Try to, if we're in, a, in person, the whiteboard, can you just whiteboard what you're thinking? Just try to get a sense of, because I think that, that tells you two things. One is, are they going to take a methodical approach to some problems you face? But number two, this is a person going to be easy to work with and collaborate with because if they're just sort of randomly blabbering about different things and there's no context or you don't even know what kind of, you don't know where in the conversation they are, it's confusing. But if you, if they're taking you along on the journey and saying, hey, here's what I'm thinking, here's, here are the customers, is that right? You kind of get a sense of like, what is it like to work with this person? And can I follow their train of thought, which is so important in the product role. So that's, that's I, the second thing I look I, at. I, I think that's, I think that's fair. I, I think that's fair. I, I think that's right. Yeah. So that's why I like those case studies, but we only do one. Of, I only ever do one of them. Per All right. User. So, so, uh, so what's three? The third thing I'm looking for. Or I is two enough? Is two enough? Well, I, I, there is a third thing. It's sort of similar to what you said. Just are they able to use the tools available to them to get to the answer? So we'll oftentimes get into a little bit of math. And I don't expect the person to be able to do all their math themselves, but they can start using their computer or ask us. And just are they able to collaborate and get information or do they just, or they just get tunnel vision? So Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right. So, so you made it through the case interview. What are you usually doing in your third rounds, right? I made it through the, the phone screen. I, I've done a, like a little case interview. I, the, the questions I was talking about, in my opinion, are, are like round three interview, interview questions, to be clear. Unless it's an internal person and I'm skipping round one and two. They don't need a phone screen. They don't need a case study. So you mean the question about the using Google? Yeah, yeah. Like, can you, can, are slip. you going to Google, are you going to use Google or ChatGPT to ask the question I just asked you to get the answer quickly? Right. You know that I think I do that in round three normally, but that's where I'm meeting someone yeah. and they're going to start interacting with the rest of the team. And so I think this is the part where, you know, the case interview, right. You're potentially with your future boss plus another PM or something. And so you've, you've started to present yourself to the organization. Next is usually meeting the other team members. And those interviews for me are, are all about jiving with people and I think I, if I can get somebody to laugh in that process, I feel like I'm winning. It's like, all right, did I get them to laugh? They might like me. They might like me. And that's that secretly, that's a side goal of mine in that process. But I also just try to get an idea of the, the dynamics, right? And, and, and what I'm trying to learn from the candidate is, do they understand the agile team structure? And right, and do they get it? And are they risk averse or not, right? I think those are some of the key things that I'm looking at for in a PM and at that stage. Because if I'm at a company where I've influenced the agile team structure and, and the pods and how those are built, it's pretty common at most companies to build them the same way, right? They've got potentially a scrum master and or manager scrum master. They've got some devs. They're using Jira. They're doing two week sprints, maybe one week sprints. They've got some kind of release cycle, some kind of QA. Th those things are there and you understand how to use those resources and what a cycle looks like. So that's really important to me at that step. Uh, what are you looking for? I should have a question about that. How are you getting those? Like, what kind of questions are you asking? How are you getting to that answer? So usually I'll, I'll ask them, what does a team structure look like for you or you to operate successfully? And there, there's some LinkedIn guru guys that would say, you, you can try a question like this, which is, hey, I tend to overlook things and I have challenges myself and I don't want to overthink things with you. If we hire you, what's something that could go wrong? Help me out with what's something that could go wrong. So 
I can feel more confident that's something we can handle. And you wait and you kind of see like, well, that that's the same question as when have you failed? But it's asking it a different way. It's the product manager way. We ask questions differently to get the actual answers. Yeah. Or ask like single questions to get at three different things. Sure. I mean, I think zooming, yeah, zooming out, usually the interview panel, you have it set up so you can get all the things you need, right? You have a scorecard or rubric, something you're looking for in a candidate. And depending on like where the candidate is working, who they're working with, you kind of develop that team. So you might often have, you have a phone screen obviously in the beginning, and then you have some sort of other screen. In my case, it's a case study. In some cases, it's somebody else. So yeah, whatever the product lead is wanting to do. And the onsite, you have different interviews. And so, yeah, usually you have an interview with the product manager, like, and that person's asking questions that you were just talking about. You have an interview with the hiring manager. You have an interview with some stakeholders. You may have another interview with the product manager, depending on like what you're looking for to understand about this candidate. So I think it depends for me. You know, when I'm not in the hiring manager position, I'm doing, just doing individual interviews. I need to know what part of that equation, what part of that rubric I'm interviewing for. And so I usually just ask the hiring manager, it's like, what are the, what angle am I going for here? What do you really want to know about this person? If it's, if it's around like the interpersonal dynamics of that person, are they culture fit? I want to take that person out for a walk, get them. I, out I do love that. I, that, that concept of taking them for a walk. And I like that a lot. That's a good. Yeah. With remote, it's hard, but <laughs> I, I, I take walks on the phone all the time now. Right. When I, especially when I was out remote, I would do it. I think everyone I want, I did with you unless I had to show you something on the computer, we both took them walking. I was trying to get us to go for walks. <laughs> yeah. So I, I agree. It's a tough one, but I, I, I like that concept in your brain. Like, what do you talk about on a walk? You know, what, who's this person like? Because I think you learn something about a can I like to do that. With, I like to have one interview in the panel be like that because you don't know enough about somebody in the interview format. Like so they may be a really, some people are just really good interviewers and they aren't good in other situations. And so, and I've, I've seen, there's one example of this, like I keep, oh, I always remember, which is I was a bar raiser interviewer at Uber and so I decided to do cultural interviews across the board. And there was like one candidate that scored very highly in the interview format, but I just happened to see this person in the lobby and this person didn't know who I was yet. I wasn't, I was, I hadn't interviewed them yet. And they were yelling at the security guard to let them up. They were like really frustrated. Oh yelling, yelling. man. Super nice person in the interview, by the way. But you could see the other side of them in different in a different setting. And so when I saw that, and that was like my first experience with that sort of thing, that's when I decided like every interview candidate should go through one informal interview just to get a sense of who they are and take them out of the interview format if you can. Um, take them in the street. Maybe they'll like maybe a biker will soon pass them and they'll like react in a weird way. <laughs> you learn a lot about somebody just out in the street. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I'm capable of losing my cool, especially when I was younger. Come on, we're human. We lose our cool. Maybe you were too harsh on him, Watson. I'll, I'll say it if anybody else thinks it. Were you too harsh on this person who had a bad moment? Maybe that security guard knocked him over or broke something. How long did you? Li- how maybe. long did you linger to listen to the full story? Yeah, maybe I didn't get the, get the full context. I don't know. Maybe I'm short in that way, and you're short in terms of what tools they use. But <laughs> everyone has to have their shortcuts. That's the point. And actually, it's useful. That's useful to know. Actually, I think. One of the things I would say, and I'm curious if you operate this way, but anytime I'm doing an interview, I'm really thinking about the scorecard that I'm trying to score against. What are the top three or four things I need to walk away from knowing? And so I am taking shortcuts, which introduces bias in the interview and to try to check off those boxes. And so as a candidate, you can think about that and think, okay, well, what is this person really trying to learn? 
and you can sort of game that a little bit. You can be careful to like avoid certain pitfalls, certain traps. Uh, but everyone's got their shortcuts. Everyone's every interviewer is thinking about things in a certain way. Do you have shortcuts? Yeah, I agree, and I think, yeah, I don't have any other particularly amazing shortcuts past what we've kind of already talked about. And so, I'm going to say that we are close to time, and it's time to wrap up. So we talked about the interview process. We didn't get to offers. And so Watson, I would like to talk about negotiating offers at some point. I think that's a good next follow-up and how you'd handle that and what is normal in the industry and how do you find out what that is and where do you do your research? So let's table that one. I think it's good for the next one maybe, but I get the glory of the summary today. And so episode 12 of the Watson and Alex show, we talked about what a good interview looks like from both a candidate and an interviewer standpoint. Talked about a couple of questions and, and kind of what you're trying to solve for, right? And, there, and I think we both agreed that you've got to have a good, you got to try to identify people that know how to solve a problem and know how to think through a problem and are willing to ask questions. And also are willing to utilize the easiest tools out there to get to your solution. At least that's biased to me. Or if you're watching, you're trying to follow them to the grocery store to see how they treat the cash register clerk. And then past that, that, that culture fit, I think is, it comes in different forms. And so that Watson, anything else to add? That's it. Great summary. All right. There's some, good topic. I think the conversation is, is better than the summary. All right. Thanks everybody. <laughs>